The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, BronxPinstripes.com proudly brings to you the most exciting Yankees podcast in the world, George's Box. As always, I am your host, JJ, joined by my co-host, my man, Keith McPherson. It is 8.30 on Tuesday morning when we're doing this. Hopefully, you've got your coffee. We've got ours. Keith, how you doing this morning? JJ, what up, man? Uh, I'm good. I had some coffee about two hours ago. Ready to rock episode nine. You know what it is. Fun fact, I actually don't drink coffee. You don't, like, ever? Or you used to? or uh, No. Um, so, I mean, you, you interact with me on a fair, a fair amount. I'm pretty high energy. If, <laughs> I, if I drink coffee, I'm incredibly annoying. <laughs> I see. Uh, so it's not like, oh, I don't drink it because I don't think it works. Like, it works too well. And yeah. uh, I'm I'm similar in, in that fact, like I'm pretty high energy and I didn't drink coffee for 30 years. I just started drinking coffee in maybe like February. Nice. Yeah, I've like if I go to like a lot of Yankee games in a row, you know, at like a couple days in a week, then I, I sometimes need what I'm good for pretty much like a coffee a quarter. But I've got to be like really beaten down to do it just because it makes me jittery. Also, I see. A lot of people, like my wife's like this, if she doesn't drink coffee, like she'll get headaches because yeah. she's been drinking it for forever. Yeah. And so I kind of always wanted to avoid that. But, you know, you never know. Like once you have kids and stuff, maybe you just need coffee to live. Yeah, I didn't I didn't want to start drinking coffee because I didn't want it to be a crutch. And I also didn't want it to be something that I needed or something that when I didn't have, I get a headache or I'm bugging out or I'm not myself. I didn't want to get into that. But so far, so good. The last few months I've been drinking coffee at like 6 a.m., 630 and it just gives me an extra like awareness awakeness going into the day so uh, maybe i maybe i needed to go 30 years until i actually needed coffee but either yeah. way here we if go I, if i need a boost i do a little tea i'm a fancy boy so we are now talking on tuesday morning where the yankees sit one half of a game out of first place uh it was a uh, a, a good week for the Yankees. I mean, we last talked on Tuesday morning after we had just beat the Mariners, but we come out Tuesday night, and I'll be honest, it was 
I was in San Francisco and I almost texted you and like, Keith, are you around? We got to maybe do like five minutes because Tuesday night last week, the Yankees had such an amazing game, such an amazing walk off, something that I thought was important for really like the B squad that we're rolling out there. Now, DJ LeMay, who just won a gold glove, so he's not like a B squad player, but he didn't have a starting spot on this team. He goes ahead. He hits a walk off. Gio, who's not even supposed to be sniffing the major leagues is getting big hits. Uh, and I think it was probably so far like the most emotional win for the team beyond that uh, Wednesday Red Sox game with the Brett Gardner home run, the Brett Gardner walk-off, because as this team continues to go, when it comes to that um, grand slam that Gardner hit in, the, in April, this game was a walk-off against a good team an above 500 team at the time. And it's just still a bunch of guys who were definitely not supposed to be there because all of our guys are supposed to be back and be healthy by now. Yeah, that game was awesome. Um, I think it ended around midnight or at least I was up till after midnight. And yeah, similar, like you said, we, we record the podcast Tuesday morning and then we have a game like that. And I think there was a weather delay in between that game. Um, it was it was like a movie, man. That was definitely one of the parts of the DVD that we'll look back to. Um, guys like DJLM, Geo, Mabin, uh, they all made either errors or mistakes in the game that looked like it would cost us, and then they came back to win the game for us. And when you watch guys play like that, it's like short memory. You know, they, they make a mistake, but they can't wait till the opportunity comes to redeem themselves, and then they pull it off and come back and do it. Uh, it's just, I don't know, it's an amazing time to be a Yankee fan. It's an amazing time to watch the Yankees and what they're doing. And they just keep doing it again and again. We said, okay, they're they're beating up on bad teams. You know, who have they really beaten? Now, you know, you can't say that anymore. They're taking uh, series after series against good opponents. And they're showing that, you know, guys like Gio, they, they're here to stay. Guys like Cameron Mabin can fill in and, and, and be good parts of this team. Guys like DJ LM, I really wish we had him last year. Uh, he's just automatic. He's a, I said he's the baseball equivalent to a walking bucket on uh, on Twitter. This guy comes up with runners on base. You just know he's getting a knock. You know he's he's putting an RBI on the board. Yeah, it, it was exciting. I'll tell you what, though. I'm going to steal a little bit of kind of what bothers you. The very next night, we end up losing 10-1. But when we were down 4 nothing early in that Wednesday game with lasagna on the mound, uh, Everyone on Twitter was like, well, this is over. This is bullshit. And I just, <laughs> I didn't understand how, I try not to get mad at Yankee fans on Twitter, but I do not understand how we can win that dramatic walk-off one night. And then the next thing, it's 4 nothing in the fourth inning. And it's like, oh, well, this has to be over. Now, we did end up really waving the white flag because we put like Jake Barrett in there and he gave up a thousand runs in the eighth and ninth inning, giving up five runs and really putting the game out of hand. But at four nothing, guys, let's fucking stay in this game. We yeah. got a shot. We got young guys who are playing for their we've got young guys and old guys who are playing for their careers, if you really think about it. Like Geo's trying to stick. Um you've got uh Cameron Mabin trying to hold on to his career. CC's trying to like go off into the sunset. Brett Gardner knows that he's not playing great and there's you know some chirping about what happens when everyone gets back healthy. So it's such a mix of guys who are out there fighting as opposed to the big thing with Yankees for forever has been, well, they got all these high priced players. Like who cares about anything once you have all that money, 
These are guys who are legitimately out there fighting. Can't give up on them in the fourth inning. No, never give up on them. And they're, they're showing us you can't give up on them because they're fighting. And we're not out of any game, especially the way that we're playing now. And um, that chemistry between exactly what you said, guys trying to hold on to their career, guys trying to ride off into the sunset, guys knowing that this is an opportunity they may never get again to play for the best franchise in all of sports on this stage. That chemistry and that synergy together, I think, is what's doing it for this team. It's, it's amazing to watch. Um, no one expected this. When we were doing this podcast two months ago, you know, we were talking about injuries. We were talking about what needed to go right. No one was expecting the B-team bombers, the uh, replace for 28 crew, to just band together and not keep us afloat. Like, they're playing better than we might be playing with the full roster. And I'm not trying it, to be the true. guy to say, I mean, you know, I hey, when these guys come back, I don't want them because I see that on Yankee Twitter a lot. Where, let, let's say we you plug Judge and Stanton in this lineup. I'm not saying I'm – there are other people who are like, we shouldn't even take them back. We're, we've got the good team. No, no, we should take them back. Yeah. But I think they add so much pop and so much power to the lineup that I could see that being contagious. And as being home run dependent like we were very early in the season – Whereas a lot of these guys are getting the opportunity to come in and play their own game. Uh, and if that's slapping balls the other way, like DJ does, if that's finding a way to, to drive a ball into the gap, um, whatever it may be, that lets these guys establish themselves before the big boppers come back. Yeah, and I don't think it's going to hurt to have power like that in this lineup. And pitchers have to be shook of that when it comes. Like, pitchers right now, I mean, I wouldn't be too afraid of this lineup that you're seeing every day or, you know, however it's going to change with, you know. Now, Talkman's out, but it's not it's not an intimidating lineup. But then as soon as you plug Judge, Giancarlo in there, even Didi, Hicks, you know, pitchers aren't going to be pitching exactly the same. There's no way to pitch around this lineup. And it's not going to hurt. I know Yankee fans are, are liking what they're seeing. But I think when these guys come back, they're going to be inspired to join this style of play. They're going to be inspired to add to what we have. Um, I love I love seeing what we're doing right now, but I can't wait till the Bronx Bombers come back. And it's like, man, Giancarlo's hitting one every day. Judge is hitting one every day, and we're unstoppable. That's, that's what it's looking like it's going to line up to be. Well, I think we know from, like, Judge's personality, he can't wait. It, like, he's dying to be back out there. Yeah. And Stanton, it's very easy to be like, well, he's got all this money. He doesn't care. But he has been, uh, you know, an A player for so long, an A-plus player, an MVP. And But he's been, you know, he's played like six games that matter in his whole career. So, like, he's got to be chomping at the bit to get back as well. And I think, you know, it, it just it provides a good mix of, Guys get into to find themselves while these guys are going to come back and they're going to do what they got to do. I think it sets us up for a good long run. And so we end up taking three or four from the Mariners, um, you know, at home. Nice way to start the week off, especially against a team, like I said, that had started off the season very hot. They are cooling down, uh, but you take three out of four. That's a good week right there. Unfortunately, from there. Even though we end up winning this series, we had to go to Tampa, which is always a nightmare because historically the Rays play us so well at home for some reason. You know, it, that's always, you know, you're going to get the best. We're going to see Glass now. We're going to see uh, Snell. 
So we knew it was going to be a tough series. But we end up taking two or three from the Rays, who I think are a fraudulent team. They're not built to, to stay in first place. By the end of this week, especially playing them this weekend, we will be in first place, which is so exciting to talk about. But boy, is Tropicana Field an absolute shithole. Yeah, can I can I rant for a second? I feel like uh, that's, a couple that, people tweeted asking I mean, me that, about that. That's how I teed it up for you because I, I know you have some feelings about Tropicana Field based off Twitter. How many how many ballparks have you been to in Major League Baseball? You've been to a bunch. Yeah, I've probably been to like 10 or so. I've been to 13, and I have not made a stop at Trashicana Field because that place is garbage in so many ways. Like, okay, the bullpen, right? One of the parks with the bullpen still on the field. I don't mind that. I do. It's dangerous. The okay. speakers, right? The speakers are an obstruction. We saw Clint Frazier hit a bomb last year that was stopped by some speakers that they have, like a line array hanging from the ceiling. What is that? Then they have that like catwalk up there, and it just looks terrible. Their, their dome, it's like it looks like a circus, like a circus top. I don't know what they were thinking over the last few years with that place but we need to drop the trop that place sucks major league baseball should be ashamed of themselves i'm on twitter and major league baseball's basically promoting that the lights went out saying oh they're trying to light the place up like a springsteen concert i'm like bruce springsteen wouldn't play at that trash ass spot you guys call a professional park the place <laughs> is terrible place sucks and every year we go to Yankee Stadium South, it's all Yankee fans because of what we do in spring training and what we have down there in Tampa. And we go to this place. They should let everyone in for free. Like the tickets should I mean, be they five to ten bucks. I know they probably are. I, I mean, when the I've Yankees aren't there, when the Yankees aren't there, that's pretty much a situation. I mean, the Yankees are the draw. Like they'll normally sell out opening day, even though they I think now capacity is like thirty thousand because they close up the top le- the top uh levels. But, yeah, I mean, I think when the Yankees aren't there, it is like, you know, $5 ticket night, if if that much. Place sucks. I mean, the Oakland Coliseum is bad, but they make Oakland Coliseum look like SunTrust Park. They can't even pay the light bill or have the electricity running through the place right. When I was watching the game, the Yes Network flashed the, um, like, the emergency or, like, you know, we interrupt this broadcast. And I'm thinking, you know, it's raining in New York. I'm thinking there's something going on with the Yes Network. Then I go on Twitter and people are live tweeting and um, you know posting videos from the park. It's still lit in there as far as like you can see each other, but the lights are out where it's not playable. And I'm like, man, is this serious? Major League Baseball should be ashamed of themselves. The Rays should be ashamed of themselves. I know that there was like a 3D rendering or some type of um, you know future plans for what the next stadium is going to look like, but who knows how long that's going to take. We still have years of coming to play at Tropicana Field and... That, that lasted 43 minutes of venue delay. Like, are we serious? We're having venue delays? That's why people don't take Major League Baseball seriously. That's why you can't take the Rays seriously because we have parks where professional two professional teams are going to play a game and it has to be stopped for 43 minutes because the lights went out. People were talking about the Super Bowl back in like 2012 at the Superdome. No, that's different. Like Beyonce drew all the power to uh for her <laughs> halftime show and that killed the superdome which is an old place too the rays this is a regular baseball game i think they just installed some like led lights or something last year but come on like what a joke the place sucks and it should be there should be a plan in place now to say okay by 2021 
you know, the trop will be gone and we'll have a new place because that place is trash. Well, I think that Major League Baseball is in a tough situation when it comes to it. So Tropicana Field was originally built in, opened in 1990. The idea was, uh, for anyone who doesn't know, kind of quick history of it. In the 80s, Tampa wanted a baseball team. Uh, They were trying to get the White Sox. Uh, Then eventually uh, they got the... um, the lightning moved in in 1991. And it was called the Thunderdome, uh, which is just an awful but very on par, like early <laughs> 90s name. The Welcome lightning to playing the, the Thunderdome. Thunder yeah. Um, so they were trying to get the, the White Sox. Then actually in the early 90s, the people who invested, who owned the building and there were investors to buy the San Francisco Giants, actually held a press conference in, I believe, 1992 and announced that they were going, that the Giants were moving. And then right away, San Francisco and uh, the National League like sued. So they didn't move. I think it brings up, so they need to have a dome, right? And when you think about it from uh, the standpoint of how stadiums are built nowadays, a lot of it's taxpayer dollars, but there's no state income tax in Florida. So I feel like there's maybe not as much money going around to start building new stadiums. The the 3D rendering you talked about, Ybor City Stadium, they announced this offseason that that's not going to happen. They've got the TROP till 2027, but I don't think it's even a, a the TROP issue. I think we've just proven time and time again that Florida does not work for Major League Baseball. Yeah, Florida, Florida sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Marlins Marlins Park looks cool, but it's in a terrible place. It's not in the right part of Miami. And even the There's Trop no is in St. Petersburg. The the Trop isn't in like the city of Tampa. It's in St. Petersburg. You, I, I'm pretty sure you got to like drive and go over a bridge to get to it. I've never been. That's one of the parks that's not on my list to hit. Um, they right, have pretty Florida good food. The food you've been there and the food's good. Yeah, I did a stadium eats there. They brought me down to uh, to do it. They were they were very nice. They gave me tickets behind the dugout and in a suite. But the place is a joke. Uh, and again, I, it's a Florida issue where, like with the Marlins, they their stadium's kind of a joke. It kind of looks nice. They're a joke of a team, and they don't get anyone out to games because no one's from Miami. Or a lot of the population is Cuban. A lot of Cubans uh, are fans of either the Yankees or the Cincinnati Reds. So it's tough to kind of convert those people, even though the Marlins have two World Series. But the Rays, being in the Yankees-Red Sox division, being in Tampa where no one's going, no one's going to these games, no one cares about them, I think they, they seriously have to consider moving the Rays in the early 2020s uh, don't wait till 2027. Uh, and I think they should go to Vegas. I think that you need a team in Vegas. Everyone's going to Vegas nowadays. Put them in Montreal. Put them in Montreal. I know people are calling for that. And I'm they're fine staying in our too. division. Put them in Montreal. I'm fine with that, too. Um, I can see it. I feel like Major League Baseball has to find the right way to explain to, like, the city of Montreal. Like, this is your last chance. You're getting... <laughs> Like, it's got to be, whether it's in the papers, on TV, like, this is it. We're giving you this team. You don't show up. We're, we're pulling the team, and you'll never get another team again, never get an exhibition game. Like, kind of give them a very strict warning. Or they should say, hey, this is it. This is the warning. We're only doing this once. Also, a lot of taxpayer dollars are going to go into this. And then put that up for a vote of, like, the citizens. 
and they can decide if they want to take on the responsibility of supporting a major league baseball team the right way you should. If not, put them in Vegas. Hockey's in Vegas. Football's going to Vegas. It's only a matter of time till basketball goes to Vegas. Uh, and then you don't even have to have fans because you just get kind of high rollers who are going to get free t- free tickets from the casinos. Yeah, I like where you're going with Vegas. Vegas makes sense. Uh, Montreal is good with the Canadians. They don't care to have the Rays franchise come there. Imagine being the owner of the Rays and like you know that that's your shitty ass stadium and you're trending on Twitter because your lights went out. Like I would be ashamed of myself. Yeah, I mean, what, so what was weird was. On Friday, the lights flickered very quickly. Right, right. <laughs> and that, morning shot. But it was raining. There was a storm. Uh, when this game happened on Sunday and the power went up 43 minutes, it was sunny and 80 degrees. So it was like you couldn't even be like, you know, as soon as it went out, I was like, oh, there must be a storm in Florida that knocked out like a lot of power. And the reporters even asked Aaron Boone, like, hey, so, you know, what do you know about what happened after the game? And he just goes, something with the grid. Man, I'm not very bright when it comes to this kind of stuff, so it doesn't make sense to me anyway. Like, yeah. that was fun. I think people asking Aaron Boone, and he's just like, I'm a baseball player. Like, I'm dumb. I, like, yeah, I have no idea about electricity or what's going on with them in their park. And they were just consistently told to wait five minutes, and it's just it's another. We had a, an extra inning Sunday game a couple weeks ago. Now we've got this 43-minute delay, and it's like, these guys got to get on a plane. Let's just fucking call this game. Um, yeah, that's what I was calling for. I'm like, forfeit the W, hand it over. We want to go home. But the, the greatest the greatest response that we ever could have had, we had. Estrada comes up, boom, you need some power, here's some power. <laughs> Literally, like, we answer their power outage with a power surge, put up four runs in the ninth inning. Like, this is a wrap. We're not going to let this go anywhere. Like, this is done. Went from 3-1 to 7-1, and we're hitting the airport. Yeah, and, you know, it, overall, good series. We go out there, we beat Glasnow. He goes on the um, yeah, he got the, hurt. the IL for, for a while. We end up, and I just, I had a bad feeling about Saturday because we're right there, you know, about to take first place. But there was something about the fact that CeCe was pitching and we had won and the, the day before. It, it was and, just that- And the history there. And then they threw it Voight. Uh, and the, obviously the, you know, that's for you, bitch, like, that's the first time CeCe's pitched in Tampa since that. And he was ready to fight during some, <laughs> you know, some hit by pitch. Like, he was ready to fight the whole time. There's just something, though, about CeCe pitching after a win and knowing we had really no bullpen that game that yeah. I didn't feel good about it. It ended up playing out, you know, kind of as we thought. But we did have a little bit of a scare. Gary Sanchez takes a backswing to the head. Oh, my at- God. And as soon as that happened, I think I was at the Phillies BP crew watch party and it was like you suck the air out of our section because we were like, oh, no, 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 not like just not us, not us. Um, He ends up being fine. They said that he, you know, even though he took that to the head, he came back fine the next day, got a regular day off Sunday is what they were describing. They thought about using him as a D.H., we ended up not needing him. I think he was he was in the lineup for the game that didn't happen yesterday. So Gary Sanchez is going to be all right. But when you see him take that bat to the head, uh, like just terror in Yankees. It's scary. Though. It's I've been saying this for the last two months on this podcast. It's like watching a scary movie or a car crash. It's like, oh, we, we can't watch the games. 
without being paranoid that something's going to happen to our players. Luke Voigt wears one off his left shoulder. Gary takes a bat clunk to the back of his head. It's like we're going to we're going to lose our guys just through the course of regular play. And it, it's scary to watch because we don't have enough guys to be losing guys like Luke Voigt, Gary Sanchez. And I was worried when I saw Gary get hit with the bat like that. You know, that could hit the part of, I don't even want to imagine like a bat hitting, even with the helmet on, like that part of your head or your spine or your neck where he might not be right. Hopefully he's good. And, um, you know, he's a tough, strong guy, but it's scary. It's scary watching our players take um, pitches and bats, you know, that like shouldn't happen like that. I think also seeing like what happened with Clint Frazier last year where he missed pretty much a whole year From and then he'd like he'd kind of come back. And then he'd be gone again. I mean, we saw it with uh, um, who the hell was the guy on the Twins? I'm blanking right now. Won an MVP. Justin Morneau. He pretty much had his career derailed from like what didn't seem like that big of a deal. So you always worry when that happens. Also on Sunday, uh, Gleyber Torres sits because he got hit in the elbow on Friday. Comes out, goes two for four on Saturday. But Boone just saw something in the way he threw the ball from short that he was like, all right, let's let's get this guy a day off. He's doing a lot, you know, starts off as the second baseman, gets moved in the shortstop role. He's out there playing every day. He's being a leader for this team. But mm-hmm. to find out. So there was a little bit of scare when, you know, he's not playing, but he ends up getting the getting a day off on Sunday. We get a win. He ends up then getting a day off Monday because the game doesn't play. So. It's I've kind of been pointing out. Let's keep an eye on him because it's a, a long season. We're asking a lot for him. I'm glad to see Boone's doing the same as well. Yeah, and I feel like Glaber is an everyday guy and someone that needs to be in the lineup almost every day. But you got to be cautious. And I think someone tweeted me saying, um, you know, we got to preserve these guys for the fall. And I'm like, you know, the fall is cool. We're definitely trying to have everybody ready for the fall. But you know, you this get is there. Uh, Right. This is first place on the line. We're playing against the, the team in our division that currently holds first base. I want to see Glaber Torres in there. And then even in the Mariners series, um, I think he had like a 12-game hit streak going on. And uh, King Felix was pitching, and he wasn't in the lineup. And I'm like, I would have loved to see Glaber get some action there. But either way, you know, he's young. Um, we know what he is. We're, we're trying to make sure he's healthy, he's right, because we're going to need him. Um you know, I, I I I love Aaron Boone and what he's done with this team this year um, with the lineup. I know people question every single thing about like where's Brett Gardner hitting or why is Voight in you know in the two spot. But then you give it a couple of days and it's like Voight is hitting bombs in the first inning and you know everything's making sense. He's he's doing a, a, a hell of a job with this team. I, I know there's not many other guys in uh, managing baseball that could have pulled off what he's pulling off with this uh, replace for 28 crew. Yeah. No. I mean. He's got, he's got to be considered just for making the playoffs for manager of the year. And I know it's very early in the season, but what he's doing, you know, he's making chicken salad out of chicken shit because (laughs) it is, it is so tough to go out there and kind of manage these personalities and you're managing a roster of sending guys up and down, but then you don't even have, it used to be how many guys can we send back and forth to Scranton? Whereas now there's no one left in Scranton because now we're, you know, we're messing around with the 40 man roster. So credit to Boone for for what he's done and finding the right times to get these guys days off. Um, you know, he did run, you know, Mike Trap uh, Talkman out there every day. And but yeah. I think that's because you knew that around this time of the year he wasn't, you know, he wasn't going to be there. And 
our national nightmare is actually over because Mike Talkman is no longer on the Yankees roster. We no longer, I mean, it was basically sending a pitcher up there. And we do, we get Aaron Hicks back. He's supposed to be in the lineup last night. I spent Monday at Yankee Stadium from 11 a.m. till 9 p.m. My company for my real job rented out the convention area. We had a bunch of clients there, you know, entertaining them, giving them a bunch of knowledge and all this stuff. Uh, And then there was, I was excited to see Hicks play, but the grounds crew ran into a disaster last night of this rain. They had the tarp on the field. They took it off and they spilled it all out into left field and it just, it just puddled. And I stayed there till about like nine o'clock and they spent from six 30 till nine o'clock. Like every 20 minutes, they would bring essentially a new groundskeeper toy, like out of center field. Like, Oh, here we've got a bunch of guys with like, um, almost like pitchforks to like aerate the field. Then it was like, oh, turns out we have like the Zamboni thing that aerates the field. Then it's like squeegees. Then they just had four guys all standing shoulder to shoulder, walking with leaf blowers, and they're just blowing the water up into like a mist, like into their face. <laughs> it was yeah. they they looked miserable. I mean, we have the best grounds crew in baseball. They're more than YMCA. I'm sure they've got a bunch of tricks and gadgets and things to try and fix the field, but. This New York weather is shit. It, it poured all day yesterday. It's May 13th, 14th. We're looking at 50-degree days and pouring rain. Like It's a joke. People were talking about, you know, oh, the Yankee Stadium should have a dome. Um, Beer Mistress was tweeting me about uh, a retractable roof. And I'm like, no, they're going for the nostalgic look at Yankee Stadium. They weren't going to put a retractable roof on. And I don't think they also got expecting. They, they, they also got, got 3.2 they got $3.2 billion from the taxpayers. They're not getting any more money for the uh, for right, roof, right. too. Yeah, it's a few more million to add the um, retractable roof. It's, and- uh, it's a $3.2 billion stadium. It's the most expensive stadium in baseball. If you rent out the convention area, you still hook up VGA. It's, uh, yeah. The technology is not great. And I mean, global warming, no one's predicting it to be May and it to be 50 degrees and uh this much rain but it is what it is you know last year how many games do we have get rained out or postponed or delayed or canceled uh that was like the story of the beginning of the whole season last year it was like we can't get the weather right in the Bronx to even play baseball from opening day snow to rain every other week um it's just something we got to deal with we'll see I I think uh hopefully we get this one in tonight and then the double header tomorrow should be cool yeah um, so we, we've got Hicks back, which is exciting. Mike Talkman, that experiment's over with his 213 batting average and four home runs. Um, some people I saw were like, it's not really that bad. He's got four home runs. If you project that out over the season, he would have 16 home runs for the season and be a 213 corner outfielder. And that works in 1983, but that does yeah. not work in 2019. Not on uh, this team. Yeah. So... Another like bit of news we were dealt is that Miguel Andujar is back on the IL. So it looks like you know he's looked bad since he's been back and I get it. You know, you want to try to come back. There's a lot of hype around this team. You go down first and then you see everyone else going down. You want to come back, you want to play, you want to avoid the surgery. I think it makes sense for the Yankees to do what they did, but now with Gio and DJ 
and Didi being very close to coming back, which frees up some space in the infield in some days. Um, I think Andujar, whether it's he was just rusty is what some people tried to say, but it really looks like the shoulder is bothering him. I think you gotta um, you gotta look at the surgery now, and it, maybe it costs him some of next season too. But as a guy who uh, was very productive last year, runner up for AL Rookie of the Year. He does have a future ahead of him, and his future is not defense. It's hitting. And right. if he can't swing that shoulder, you know, swing the bat with that shoulder, get it fixed, worry about the rest of your uh, career, and really the rest of your time with the Yankees, because I don't think the Yankees are going to cut and run on him because we win the World Series this year with Geo. I, I think he's still going to get a shot to come back out here and, and win his job next year. And, you know, then we've got two great third basemen, and one of them can get traded. But – you know, I, I think the time's right for right now to uh, to sit him and, you know, really, really consider that surgery because there's a lot of a lot of career ahead of him and he's a hindrance to the team right now. Yeah. And I love Miggy, but he's had it rough from the whole rookie of the year thing with um, Otani winning rookie uh, rookie of the year over him. And then <laughs> he gets put on the I.O. yesterday and then Otani hits his first home run back. It's like something in the baseball gods universe. They're like, Anduar out, Otani in, here's a home run for the modern-day Babe Ruth, which I don't call him that, but you know how that narrative goes. But you goes. did. <laughs> <laughs> the Japanese Babe Ruth. Either way, uh, it's been rough for, for Miggy. He comes back. I feel like we rushed him back, and, um, you know, I'm not one of those people that subscribe to the whole, uh, you know, his defense is terrible. We can't have him out there. Like, he worked on his defense all offseason. I mean, spring hurt. training was a just uh, uh, from everyone on Twitter, the media. It was a suck job on yeah. how great his defense was. Right. And how quickly, you know, everyone wanted uh, Manny Machado to replace him. You know, he had to deal with that all offseason, that Manny Machado was on his way to the Bronx to replace him. And then the, the season starts. He misses, uh, misses time. And... Geo emerges as like a pretty solid defensive third baseman, and now his bat is coming along too. Even though we've seen Geo show that he's human in the last couple of weeks, there's some plays that he could have made that he didn't, so he kind of leveled out. But either way, it's been rough for Andujar. I think he needs this time to go down, figure it out. If surgery is the option, that's fine. He's a young guy. I said a couple episodes ago, or maybe last episode, that he's played one year for us. And I love him. When he came up two years ago, I think he went three for four against the White Sox. I'm like, this guy's a hitting machine, but he's still young. Um, he put in a rookie of the year campaign last year. That was awesome. I think uh, broke DiMaggio's record for doubles as a rookie. But that doesn't mean that, you know, he's not still developing. He's not still going to be a Yankee that, you know, in time we can't get him right. If he's got to get surgery, do it now. Um, I think we're we're more than covered with Gio and even uh, LeMayu. Um, playing third when guys get back. If Gio, if uh, Miggy's got to go down and figure it out, figure it out now. It's okay. Um, I think he'll put his pride to the side and, and realize, you know, he came up and went three for 34. That's not the hitting machine we're used to seeing. That's not that's not Papa. That's not the, the helicopter. That's not, you know, the guy that we're expecting to see out there every day. So I hope he figures it out, and I hope we, we get it solved sooner rather than later. I think it's funny because we, we all say it of like, well, you know, we've got DJ. Uh, and kind of dismissing the fact that he won a gold glove last year at second. and he's, and he's a batting champion. You're like, right. so it, it's, you know, he's got <laughs> way more of a career actually than, and Duhar. we may end up being much better off with him, but 
Yeah, I mean, it, it, it is. It's early in the career. Go get looked at. And I thought it was weird that he didn't really do a rehab. Like, he went and he played extended minor league games, which is you're just playing extended spring training games, which is really just minor leaguers who aren't healthy. So it's like you're not even beating up on minor leaguers. You're right. beating up on unhealthy minor leaguers. Right. And it's like, yep, good to go. We need him back. You know, and I think part of it has to be because of our health. If we had the full healthy roster, maybe we don't rush Miggy back. But when you're looking at the timetable, he was the first one in line to come back. Well, Gary came back. But then it's like, you know, we we rushed him back um, for the twin series. And I mean, it just hasn't been good for him. So, OK, we didn't need to do that. Now we have to go back, check him out. If he's got to get surgery, get surgery. Um, we'll be fine without him, and hopefully, you know, he can come back. We'll, we'll see. I don't want him to get surgery because I feel like we're winning the World Series this year, and he will have some moments, and when there will be some times where we're going to need his bat, he's just got to get right. And if he's hurt, we got to figure it out. I mean, maybe, maybe it is just a longer rehab he needs. He needs more time off. Um, I think, in the, you know, the long run, you think about his his life, his family, and, you know, what kind of extensions he could sign down the line. I think it's probably surgery. I'm not a doctor, though, so, you know, I'm just kind of an idiot with a podcast. But um, we've got Hicks back and Duhar's out, Talkman's out. We make some moves around in the bullpen, which a bunch of uh, garbage relievers. Uh, other injury updates, Dellen Batances, uh, at least twice last week, uh, had 25 throws from 60 feet, still targeting June as a comeback. I always find it. So interesting. Have you ever gone through like uh, like physical therapy before? Yeah, I, I played football in college. Uh, I, I messed up my groin. I uh, strained a hamstring. And it's like you got to go to treatment. And every day it's like you either do like uh, muscle stem, heating pad, stretches. It, it sucks. It's the worst thing. It's so it's always so interesting to me. Like I did it when I hurt my shoulder playing baseball in college that I um where I, I went from throwing like 90 to just take a tennis ball and throw it like four feet against this wall. And then like I've torn my ACL. And when you go from like, oh, I can run and everything. You went from to, throwing 90 what? I hit 92 is the highest I hit on a race. Miles run. per hour? What are you? <laughs> yeah. All right, continue. I'm thinking like 90 feet. What are you saying? No, no, no. So like I'm saying when you, know, when you go from being able to throw really hard or like Batances is what I'm getting at. He could throw 100 miles an hour, and then it's just big news that he, like, softly threw a ball 25 times 60 feet. Yeah. The rehab process is just so frustrating. Like, when I read that, for a guy of his size and everything he's accomplished, that it's like, oh, he threw the ball 25 times softly, 60 feet, not throwing pitches, not gassing it up, just like, and that's a great sign. Physical therapy, it just reminds me of, like, how frustrating it is. Like, I, you know, I've had my ACL done twice, and then, you know, when you go a half a mile on an exercise bike with no resistance, it's, like, the biggest thing in the world. But it's just, you know, a month ago, this was nothing for me to do. Oh, yeah. I just, that just gave me a flashback when I broke my foot and when, like, when I could finally run on it again. It just takes forever. The human body is so weak and fragile. It's, like, to think exactly, like you said, this guy throws gas. But right now, we're just happy that he's able to throw 25 feet. Like, that's it's a start. <laughs> yeah, so, and softly. And that's that's actually when I start to feel bad for guys. Like, I have a hard time feeling bad for athletes who are making millions of dollars and are underperforming. Like, Chris Davis, I don't give a shit. He's making so much money. But, um, 
when it's just like you can't physically do the thing that you've been doing your entire life and you've built like your entire existence around. I always feel bad for guys in in that moment, but at least he's throwing. Uh, we're still looking at a June comeback. We've got Didi Gregorius. Looks like he will be DHing on May 20th. So that's six days from now. In yeah. six days, he's going to DH in a minor league game. And what's important there is they say they say he's been throwing. He's been doing fielding drills and all that stuff, and everything looks good. There's been, and this is what scares me, as Aaron Boone said, it's actually gone perfectly to plan, which I'm like, oh, don't say that out loud. But that starts the clock. Didi, once Didi suits up on May 20th, he's got 30 days to be back on the Major League roster as part of that rehab. He, you know, he doesn't have options left. So it looks like we're getting Didi back June 20th-ish. And uh, I find it interesting because that gives him, if he goes that whole month before he comes back, that would give him probably five or six games to really get try to find a groove. Uh, I think it ends up being like five games before the London series. And I think that's interesting because Didi being, uh, he's a young, good-looking, dark skin. I know he's, I don't know, does he, is he considered black? Well, he's Dutch. He's definitely considered black because he's black as fuck. Like, he's dark. Yeah. But he's he's like a Dutchman, so he's like a different different kind of, of black. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't consider him a brother. I wouldn't consider him like African American. But well, he's definitely he's not African American. Right. But I think there's there is because he is of Dutch ancestry. But he's from Curacao, and Curacao is kind of Latin America. But you look at him, and he's he's black. I just as a as a white guy, I probably shouldn't even be saying any of these things or asking these questions. No, it's fact. 2019. You have eyes. He's got he's got the the weird ass nose too. He's an interesting looking cat. Um. But like but yeah. for someone of his complexion to be playing as well as he does and have ties to Europe and ties to the Caribbean, um, I think having him back for the London series is like very important and helpful for the game. Great ambassador of the game, especially like yeah, the Netherlands. Um, I would love for Didi to lead us, you know, in videos, some great video content, just to him going around. We've seen him interact with people in New York. People in New York don't know who the fuck he is. Um, I think there'll be a lot of fans out there in London that will be looking for Didi, and he'll be a great ambassador for the Yankees and for Major League Baseball for that whole series. I can't wait for that, man. That's coming up soon. Yeah, it, it's it, it's exciting. It's exciting to have him back. I think the time, again, I, I like to look at the marketing aspect of it. I think it makes sense for the game. Obviously, if he's healthy, but it, it looks like he is, to be able to be there for that. Um, we have no updates on Judge. Uh, nothing about when he'll start resuming baseball activities. Everyone just keeps saying... He's still working out. That all looks good. I'd written an article a couple weeks ago saying I could see him back by Memorial Day. It looks like I'm wrong. Um, but maybe we're looking at still like a June return. But what does concern me is we have no idea what the hell's going on with Giancarlo Stanton because he went down with, you know, a, a bicep strain. Then it turned into there was also a shoulder, cortisone shot. And I feel like the last maybe three episodes – We've been like, we record on Tuesday and we're like, oh, he could be back by this weekend. <laughs> and now he's definitely not back this weekend. I know. I, um, John Boy put out a poll saying, who do we think was going to be back first between Dee Dee, Judge, Stanton, and I forget who else was in there. And I voted for Stanton because he had a little interview and he seemed kind of annoyed that they were asking him about like his strength. And, you know, he said he's going to take some swings. 
But that's another guy with, you know, the rehab stuff. He's a beast. He's Right now, he's he's curling the 20-pound weights. He's used to curling the 50s. He he doesn't feel right until he gets his full strength back. He's, um, I don't know, that injury went from his bicep to his shoulder. And now his whole arm must be uh, low on strength. He's, he's an interesting case right now. We need him. I feel like he's still out to prove himself in New York. Year 2G, I was pumping up year 2G that he was going to settle in. He'd be good. Talked about, you know, the furniture being in his house. He's been around. You know, he should be ready to go. But uh, this injury is is lingering. Um, here's a question for you. Where Where is Tulo? Is he at uh, Club Med with Ellsbury? What, what's up with Tulo now? It, it went from a calf strain. Uh, Kevin Durant strained his, his calf. He's about to play in game three next week. Um, where is Tulo at? Well, Tulo, uh, he was playing in rehab games, and then he restrained his calf, and they shut him down for another week. So he'll re- So he's got to like restart from scratch pretty much like it would be about today. So, I mean, I think with that kind of time frame, I mean, maybe Tulo could come back in like two weeks or so. It, like if everything worked out, but everything's not going to work out. So we're maybe looking at like Tulo and DD being ready at the same time, which makes it very interesting because <laughs> like, because <laughs> at that point, the way these guys have stepped up, I mean, someone's got to go down for, uh, for DD to come back. So, like, that's got to be Estrada. Uh, so, is there room for Tulo? I don't know. I mean, I think we're carrying an extra pitcher right now, but it could be the end of the road for Tulo. Because- to the delight of Blue Jays fans everywhere. He's, I don't know, man. I don't want that for him. I'm a Tulo fan. I would like to see him at least come back. He's a veteran presence, and a former all-star. I would like to at least see him come back and get a couple more moments in. But uh, Well, I don't even know that like necessarily his career would be over, but like if the Yankees— I'm talking about him as a Yankee. Yeah. I know, I know how much it means to him to be uh, on the Yankees right now, and I, I want him to get another shot at you know, contributing to this team. And, and you know, maybe we find a spot for him because he does provide that veteran leadership. But, yeah, I mean— you also have to ask, like, let's say he can come back around the time Didi comes back and there's a spot for him on the roster. Like, how long does he stay healthy for? You know? Yeah, not, probably not long. I'm not putting any stock in that. Yeah. yeah I mean, maybe he comes back and he only plays like twice a week and that's enough and he can contribute. Um, I like Tulo. I've wanted him to be a Yankee for a while. I wanted him to replace Jeter because I didn't know who Didi Gregorius was. Uh <laughs> This is also why I don't run the Yankees because yeah, uh, no, yeah, Ryan Cash the was right much move. better. So that is the week in Yankees baseball. Uh, we're gonna take it around the league a little bit. Overall, the Yankees half game out of first place will be. We're gonna be a first place team next week when we talk, Keith. I really feel that, even though at the same time the Red Sox are getting hot, and I don't like that because right now I think the. Yankees are a half a game out. The Red Sox are three games out. So with us both slipping at the beginning of the year, we're both coming in hot. The Red Sox are starting to heat up, even though they've dealt with some injuries. So it's something to keep an eye on. It makes the games where we're going to play the Red Sox much more important. And that's why we have to think about who is, you know, what is the construction of this roster moving forward as we talk about Didi coming back and Tulo and all that fun stuff. We got to look at, the trade market, and there's been an interesting development because last week I know we talked about Dallas Keuchel possibly being added after the draft in June when we don't have to give up that 38th pick, but the talk this week has been 
Madison Bumgarner, who will be a free agent after this year. It makes all the sense in the world for the Giants to trade him. And so he has in his contract that he can submit eight teams that he doesn't want to be traded to. So he su submitted the Yankees, the Braves, the Red Sox, the Cubs, the Astros, the Brewers, the Phillies, and the Cardinals. And what's interesting about that is a lot of people are like, wait, why would he want to go to those teams? Those teams are all in first place or within five games of first place in their division. Uh, but realistically, those are the only teams that are going to look to trade him, trade for him. So he's making sure that he controls his own destiny. If they want to trade him he to one of these teams, he can then say, I will waive my no trade clause for whatever, another million dollars, mm. whatever it is that he wants. Um, and Bumgarner's like, he's a weird dude. He's a, he's a country boy. Um, I think like everyone in the town he's from is named Bumgarner. It's like something weird like that. Um, <laughs> I, I'm dead serious. I read like an article about him. Like he lives on like Bumgarner Road. Uh, that like was on a farm somewhere. Yeah, but it was named Bumgarner Road like way before he was famous. Um, so, so his family's like ingrained in the town. Yeah, but ingrained in the town of like 47 people. Like, you know, it's not like they're, yeah. you know, the Rockefellers. So. Baumgartner has struggled this year. He obviously he doesn't have much run support. Um, I don't know. I wanted him for years because he's a very good pitcher. I don't know that I want Madison Bumgarner because he he's not playing as well as he has in the past. He's great in the playoffs. He's four zero in the World Series, and and that's you know great to have. But he f strikes me as a guy who is not going to blend well with a new roster halfway through the season. And I don't know that he handles being in New York. Well, you know, even having to like clean shave and cut his hair and things like that, I could see him being a pain in the ass about. Um, and, but at the same time, if the Red Sox are going to trade for him, then, then like we have to trade for him. Uh, I don't know, man. Matt bum, Matt bum is a bum. Now I'm not really looking forward to seeing him uh, in a Yankee uniform, even if the Red Sox pursue him. Um, I like how he tried to finesse the no trade clause and how he set himself up with all the contenders that he, he put in his um, no trade clause, but I don't want him on the Yankees. Um, Yasiel Puig's pimping home runs and bat flipping on mother's day off of him. Um, I feel like he's lost that edge that he had. I, you know, I, I wanted him to in 2016, but I have no interest in assigning Mad Bum. If we sign anyone, go get Keuchel um, and work with the guys we've got. I think we, you know, we'll figure something else out at the trade deadline. But like you said, I can't see um, country as Mad Bum coming to New York and blending in with this team. And um, he's already said a lot of stuff in the media and just even like his response to Puig, um, bat flipping the home run off of him. He said something like, oh, it, he's a quick study. It took him seven years to learn how to hit that pitch. Like, shut up, dude. But did you, hear seven how, did you hear how that whole thing went down, though? Where he did his post-game interview, and it was over. And he said, oh, you guys didn't ask me about the home run. I had an answer. Right. So like, I didn't so hear it, that, but that's exactly it, what I'm talking but about. But it didn't even come naturally. Like, I saw the <laughs> quote and was like, oh, okay, mad bum. Like you're, at, like, you're talking that shit. Talk that shit. I can respect that. But then when it was like, oh, it didn't happen organically and you set it up, it's like, fuck you, man. Right. It's like the it's like the the meme. It's like <laughs> no one asked or like no one. And then Mad Bum. Oh, yeah. He's a quick study. Took him seven years to learn how to pit, hit that pitch. Like no one asked, bro. Like, OK, uh, get over it. He 
they hit a home run off you, bat flip is on ESPN. No one asked you for that little uh, little antidote. He strikes me as a guy who, as his, it, it's not because he's only twenty nine. So there could just be like something with his mechanics or something like how Verlander relearned how to pitch two years ago, um, where he can still be a very dominant pitcher, but he strikes me as a guy who will have a hard time accepting that he like needs to make adjustments. You know, just not. Like, I can't just go out there. And be a grinder and throw some chaw in and just fucking get this done. Um, if Matt Bum comes to New York, he's Sonny Gray. That's my fear. I, there are certain people who are meant to be NL West pitchers. Mad Bum, Zach Granke. Um, yeah. You know, like these guys. They, Zach Granke, there was talk about him going to New York for forever. And he he openly said, like, no, nah, I don't think I can handle that. Because like my mental is just not there, and I don't think I don't think it's for Bumgarner and his cowboy boots. I do remember I read a story one time uh, that Madison Bumgarner was out on his farm or ranch or whatever it is that he lives in in the off season in like North Carolina, and he saw a snake, and the snake looked fat, so he caught the snake, cut it open, and uh, saved. There was a baby bunny the snake had swallowed. And, like, gave it mouth to mouth and brought it back to life. What a weird fucking dude. Yeah, what? This dude is, like, Ted Bundy or something. He's weird. I don't like that. He's that's, gonna be a- that's a real story that happened. He's a serial killer. That is a real story. Saw a fat snake and was like, that just ate something. Do, not put, him, do not put him in New York where all the other serial killers live. <laughs> do not put him in. Uh, he'll be on the subway looking for people to cut open. Just bump- <laughs> like he cut open the snake. Imagine you're just like trying to get on the train. And you see Madison Bumgarner trying to hunt a pizza rat, like and Jay Hap just sitting a couple of seats down, like watching. <laughs> it's weird. It's weird. It's a weird dude. I don't think we need him, uh, but I don't want him to go to the Red Boston, Sox. Nah. Yeah, but whatever. They probably would sign him, and then let him go to the Brewers. Let, I'm fine. Well, yeah, if he goes to the Brewers, the Brewers are lit. I bet you he pitched just fine out there in Milwaukee. But uh, I, yeah, I don't. I have no interest in seeing Mad Bum. Um, join the replace for 28 crew. We're all right. The other big stories, I think, around the league come out of Chicago, Wrigley Field specifically. We've got two things that have gone on this week. One, we have a fan, and I'm going to talk about these kind of together because I think there is a, a little – I have, a, I have a, a take on it. There is a fan at Wrigley Field. Doug Glanville is doing a um, like a sideline piece – and there is a fan behind him doing the OK sign down. So it's like, OK, circle game. With three fingers. Yeah, circle game. You get two punches. Um, and then right after that, Addison Russell comes back from his suspension from uh, domestic abuse. So I know the, the Wrigley Field fan gesture. You know some people out there. You've had some conversations. So I, I'd love to hear. Uh, and the whole thing was the circle game thing is – a white supremacist hand gesture as well. Um, I've done some research on it, but I'd love to hear your opinion and, and kind of talk it out. Yeah, um, I mean, first off, I am black, and as a black dude... As I someone on this, video chat, I can confirm. Yeah, um, I mean, my tan is all year round. <laughs> um, I saw this story come out, and honestly, I was skeptical. I'm like, wait, he's just playing a circle game. Like, it's probably just an immature kid, you know, doing the circle game trying to get caught on camera for a little viral moment. Um, So immediately I text my friend, Mike, 
who I met in the fan cave. I was a Yankee fan in the fan cave. He was a Cubs fan in the fan cave. And since the fan cave, I've gone to Wrigley every year um, to see games and just be, you know, in the bars on Wrigley. Like, it's one of the best sports areas in all of sports. Love Wrigleyville. It's sick. Um, whether you like baseball or not, like, there's no way you can go to Wrigleyville, especially with the way that Theo World has been built up out there. It's amazing. Um, so either way, the first person I reach out to is Mike. And I'm like, yo, dude, is, is this serious? They banned someone for doing the circle game thing? Like, they're trying to tie it to, you know, the white supremacists using that um, that hand gesture. And he's like, oh, yeah, man. He's like, you know, the Cubs, they did their due diligence. They researched. They looked this guy up. I guess his Twitter or his Instagram or something that he put out there digitally. Thank God for technology and the times we're in. You can look up someone's um, post and see if they have any racist stuff in their post. And I guess he had a history of saying some racist things, maybe retweeting or sharing some racist stuff. So he couldn't they, he couldn't play the game to say, oh, it was just an OK symbol or, oh, it was just a circle game. Nah, we've tied you to some racist stuff. And this behavior is in line with what we've seen from you. So you're banned. And I can appreciate the Cubs deading that. Doug Glanville is a sweetheart. He's such a nice guy. You know, like that's not right for him to be in a, a screenshot that goes viral across the country with the OK sign, which is a white supremacy sign. I don't really even know much about that. So um, I can give you the background on it. Yeah, so go for it. It started off the the OK sign or whatever, the circle game sign started off as a joke on 4chan uh, as someone saying like, oh, this is new white supremacist like signal. And it was 100% a joke. Then what happened is um, very liberal people. Um, I don't know how to describe it. I always joke around and say like libtard cuck snowflakes because I am very liberal. So I say that as a as a joke. My wife hates it. Um, they got very offended. People say, oh, my God, like, all right. So now we know like a new thing. And uh, the liberal community got very upset. So then the white nationalist, like racist community who had no idea, had nothing to do with this the first thing of this being a thing on 4chan because it was a joke said, all right, well, if they're offended by it and we weren't doing it now, we're going to do it. So like they kind of backed into like now that is a thing. So it started off as a joke. People got offended by a joke. So the people who don't like the offendeds were, you know, took it up and made it their own. I didn't know all this. I saw the same thing. I was like, oh, that's just like some drunk frat dude who's just like going to go home and be like, oh, I get to punch all my buddies twice because Right. They looked at it. Um, so I, I've done a fair amount of research. Does your buddy work for the Cubs or he's just a huge? No, Cubs he fan? Yeah, he actually um, just started working for the Cubs doing some on camera stuff on their like YouTube channel, which eventually is going to be a TV channel. Um, nice. His name's Mike Bolin. Look out for him. Um, also a black dude, Cubs fan, was in the fan cave, worked for 120 Sports. Now he's um, finally, you know, got in with the Cubs. So he just started last week, which is funny. Um, cause I was talking to him about that. And then when, when we spoke, I was like, yo, so tell me more about, you know, this whole band, uh, fan from Wrigley and yeah. Um, see, he, he's, I would say he's got some insider info, but you know how it is around there. Everyone knows what goes on with the Cubs in Wrigleyville in that area. He lives, he can walk to the stadium in 15 minutes from his crib. You know, that community, that area, they, they all know what, what's really going on outside of what the rest of the world might think. So I've been, I've been wondering because. I've looked up, like, you know, I've researched this and I, I research everything for the show. Um, and the interesting thing is the fan has been very quiet. 
So it, until I knew this from you, my whole thing was either this guy is gearing up for some kind of lawsuit is why he's not saying something, or he's got a bunch of retweets he regrets, and he can't even come out and say, like, I was just fucking around on camera because, you know, you don't want to, to a certain extent, like, being in this situation of going any kind of viral, whether it's good or bad, if you have any skeletons, it is so bad. Like, do you remember 2016, like, for the presidential debates, there was that guy Ken Bone in the red sweater with the mustache. And everyone was like, oh, this guy yeah, yeah. from the middle of the country, <laughs> he's just so lovable. You know, he was just yeah. like, and then it was just like, oh, this guy loves graphic gagging porn and, like, retweets it all the time. So it's like, you don't want to be in that position. So part of me was like, well... Is this guy just being quiet because who knows what he's done, whether it's something racist or not? Like he just keep me out of the out of the spotlight or is he gearing up towards a lawsuit or, you know, I, I found it weird that he didn't come out and defend himself at all. But I think they have done like his name's not really out there. So maybe he's just like, I'm going to walk away from this. Good. Don't give him any more light. It, it seems like to me he was wrong. He knows he was in the wrong. And then he's got a track record of wrong to back up what he did as like yeah confirmed that was a racist a racist gesture that wasn't the circle game that wasn't the okay sign you got caught you can never come back in here and he might be a diehard Cubs fan as most of the people around Wrigley and that are Cubs fans are uh and that sucks because the Cubs are hot the Cubs are playing well and you can't even pull up to the stadium anymore because you tried to be I don't even know like you didn't try and be funny you tried to be like slick and get that off and now you, you, you're beat. You can never watch your favorite team play in the uh, one of the best stadiums in baseball. Well, not best stadiums. One of the cathedrals left in baseball ever again. Do you know Do you know who Baked Alaska is? Baked Alaska. No. Is, is that like a personality? Yeah. So Baked Alaska became like a face of white nationalists in like the post-election. Uh, like Charlottesville. And like when all that stuff was going on, he's a guy who got like maced. Um, it was like a famous video of him like getting maced. He did uh, like Vice did stories on him and stuff as just like this guy who just like like America needs to be white. Like if it's white, it's right. And, you know, like all those stupid things. Uh, but before that, he was like he had like another YouTube channel that had like nothing to do with that. He's a guy who's just like try to make himself on the Internet. And the next thing was just like being a white supremacist. But he recently left white supremacy because um, I think it ties into, you know, whoever this guy may be. Uh, and he gave an interview and he was like, well, I've renounced it. I was wrong. It turns out like you can't get a job if you're a racist. Like it's very hard if you're a racist to get a job. And it's much harder if you are a famous racist. Yeah. you. I mean, that's why I said it. Thank God for the technology and where we are today with the Internet and times like everyone's going to see who you are. And, you know, even this guy, we haven't even seen this guy's face. We saw his fingers in a screenshot with Doug Glanville and they dug him up and found out about him and got him right out of the paint. Like you're out of there quickly. Like the Cubs didn't waste any time with that. And you got to watch what you're putting out on the Internet, you know. People are people are are foolish, but what you thought was cool to tweet in 2010, fast forward to 2019, that's being used against you. Yeah, yeah, the internet stays undefeated. It never forgets. At the same time this week, the Cubs welcomed back Addison Russell, 
from a suspension that started last season because his uh, now ex-wife had come out and said that she was um, she, he had been abusive throughout their relationship. Uh, and the Cubs, there had been some accusations before, but the Cubs and Major League Baseball, it was enough because it was like published online for them to do an investigation. He ends up taking a suspension that started last year. Now he's a 25-year-old player. He's a, a very good player. Uh, the Cubs already, they had to deal with uh, Araldis Chapman when they traded for him and some of the you know concerns around his incident in Florida. But I do find it interesting that at the same time that they are, uh, you know, kind of banning this fan and being very public about it, they're welcoming back someone who, you know, has a history of domestic abuse. I don't think that, and, and you know, I, I don't know your opinions on this at all. I am a person that I think people make mistakes. Um, I don't think you should hit a woman. I don't think you should hit anyone. Um, you know, it's not just a woman. You, you just shouldn't hit anyone at all. But when you have something like, you know, like the Ray Rice, um, when it's graphic and you can see it, it's tough to, to, you know, reconcile that back. I don't think Addison Russell's career should be over. I think he has a chance to, uh, I, I'm not a one strike you're out person. I'm pretty much a two strike you're out person, but he, uh, just the timing, the timing's weird that we're like, we're making this big stand, but we're also believing in rehabilitation for a guy who can hit 300. Yeah. And of course the internet and people on Twitter and the internet will try and use these two stories, um, and try and pair them together. But to me, they, they don't have anything to do with each other. Um, the Cubs, um, that's their shortstop, their young shortstop that won a world series with them. This fan, like they don't give a fuck about this fan. Yep. And uh, the, the, the subway stop or when you're on the CTA, the, I think the red line, when you get to the Wrigley, that stop is the Addison stop. That street outside of Wrigley Field is like Addison Street. <laughs> that kid, I feel like, was destined to play for the Cubs and be the shortstop for the Cubs. He's, he's a part of their history forever, and he's their guy. I'm sure they've worked with him. I'm sure they've had some type of treatment or rehab or courses or classes with him. I'm sure they've investigated to see what was going on. And he's young. He might have made a mistake when he was 22, 23. I don't know what he did. It's never right to put your hands on a woman. I'm not excusing him of that. But what I'm saying is he doesn't deserve, you know, the death penalty for it. Um, I think he's got a, a bright future ahead of him still. And hopefully he's changed his ways and figured some some things out. And I'm, I'm happy to see him get back. I, I think he, you know, the punishment was served. You know, he did his time or however many games he was suspended. Now let's move on. Let's move forward from it. Yeah, um, I think. One important thing is what the Cubs said with him coming back was this isn't the end of the road. Like he has to be better every day. Like as a person, he just, you know, he has to be better every day. And if he does that, then, you know, he can re, you know, fully uh, rehabilitate himself. So I am glad that they're not just saying, hey, this is in the past. But if he so much as like bumps into a woman in a supermarket, his career should probably be over. But um, so that's what we got around the league. A uh, lot of domestic abuse and racism in Chicago. Wonderful city. Love Wrigley Field. Uh, the Yankees are very good. But we did give everyone a little bit of a homework assignment last week as we've been trying to talk a little bit about baseball movies. I love baseball movies. And when Keith says he wants to watch a baseball movie, I'm down to do it. This week, we watched the movie Major League. It's a 1989 American sports comedy film. Uh, the stars are Tom uh, Berenger. 
Charlie Sheen, Wesley Snipes, Bob Euchre, Renee Russo, and Corbin Burnson. Um, I rewatched this. It was a, uh, I love this movie. It's a great movie. It's not as good as Bull Durham, but it is a very fun movie. I think it's better than Bull Durham. Well, I think you're an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not looking for the, the sexual and romance part of like the baseball movie. I don't need a romantic comedy baseball movie. That's why I think it's better than Bull Durham. Fun fact, neither did the directors. Originally in the script, there's a scene where um, Rene Russo uh, ends up getting married. Like at the very end of the movie, the uh, main character, uh, Rene Russo, and why am I blanking on these guys' names right now? Um, da, 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 I'm... I'm I'm blanking on character name. Oh, Jake Taylor. Jake Taylor and Renee Russo's character, they filmed the scene where they got married and then they decided in screening the movie that it made it a movie about that couple and not a baseball movie and it took away from the team so it never, that part of the film never came out. Interesting. How do you, do you just know this type of stuff or this is stuff that you researched or? Keith, if you say I want to talk about something, I just research everything about it. <laughs> Yeah, I, mean, I, I would be, I I mean, you, be doing that. You, you put in info. a little inside baseball here. We share a Google document. We both put stuff in. Like you put it, <laughs> you you put in fan gesture Wrigley Field. You put in like four words. I read like fifteen articles about. It. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, you you really go uh, deep into it. That's good. You should. I, I'm just like I I'm like. Oh yeah, thing. you heard that story? Yeah, I, I caught it on Twitter. Yeah, no. I, well, I do it for the listeners. So yeah, what do you shout, shout out to our listeners? We care about you. So, but yeah, so Major League, uh, and I like that the fact that this movie was made in 89 and Bull Durham was made in 88. Yep. But this movie seems way more of like a movie that could happen today or more current for today. And Bull Durham seems like a, it's like a 70s movie to me. So some, well, I guess because there's also that like Bull Durham has that minor league field, that small town minor league field, whereas... Cleveland's kind of a major city, even though they filmed this in Milwaukee. Um, that was actually the old Brewer Stadium where they were uh, where they were filming. And you can actually see at times um, they had taken down like Bernie Brewer had like the slide in his house at that stadium like he does at yeah. uh, whatever Miller Park, whatever it is now. Uh, and they had to like deconstruct that. So it wasn't in the background. But there are still some hints at things that are like you could see a Brewer's logo in the background. Interesting. Yeah, I um, com- I don't know why I'm comparing Bull Durham. I guess because that's the first movie we did. Yeah. But like this, this movie is more progressive to me because you have the the woman who's like inherits the team. She she's like the owner. Yeah. And in Bull Durham, you have the woman like the woman character who's just trying to like pick a guy to like have sex with for the season and like I don't know. It's a little different. A little different. Uh, from '88 to '89. No. They made the. Not they made at the- all. Not at all. Rachel Phelps is a Las Vegas showgirl who inherits the team when her older husband, who she was a, a like she was a gold digger and he died and she's trying to relocate the team to Miami. It's dramatically uh-huh. worse. Bull Durham is women's empowerment and like women's sexuality. This is a Vegas showgirl gold digger who's trying to rip a historic franchise from a major U.S. city. Yeah, but she owns the team, and I feel like you. She inherited it. She inherited. She earned. It. <laughs> but she, you still see a woman owner. That's more like 2019 do, than doing all the wrong things and doing all the wrong things on purpose. 
There also was originally in the script that she, when they won at the end, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen Major League, they win at the end, <laughs> um, where she goes, oh, this was all fake. I made this all up to motivate you guys, but that just didn't make sense. So they deleted that scene as well. Interesting. And this uh, was yeah. actually modeled off of like, this has happened before. So before the Minnesota Twins had their current ownership, um, which is, um, I forget who it is, maybe Wayne Heisenka. I forget who it is. The previous owners tried to do the same thing. So they built the Metrodome in Minnesota. And the thing was, if we draw less than 1.2 million uh, fans in attendance three years in a row, we can get out of this agreement and we can move the team. And they hit two years in a row, and then the third year in a row was going to happen, and the current owner bought the team and kept them there. So it was actually like loosely based on that. Didn't know that. Didn't know any of that. You, um, you want some more fun facts? Yes. Yeah, I mean, you know more about that type of stuff than I do. I'm just watching the movie on Hulu. <laughs> Clue Hayward, the guy, the big guy for the Yankees. Yeah. Who plays first base. His real name is Peter uh, Vukovic. Uh, and he won the 1982 Cy Young Award for the Milwaukee Brewers in 1981. He led the league with 14 wins in a strike-shortened season. So that's a former Major League Baseball player who uh, he had been retired for about three years. He went on to be the pitching coach for the Mariners and uh, work with the Brewers as well. Just some fun facts for you. You you are a baseball encyclopedia and a, and a Googler for sure. Oh, yeah. Dude, love baseball. You know when Jake Taylor shows up at that uh, dinner party and says, and they say like, oh, you make a lot of money playing baseball. He says, I make the league minimum. At that point, the league minimum was $68,000 and the median income in the United States was $30,000. So he was really making double like the average person does. But it's also kind of wild to think about how far league minimums have come in, you know, 20 years. Yeah. What else did I think about the movie? Oh, like this has got to be like the greatest thing for for Cleveland. And then like the the way that the Yankees are placed in the movie, like we're not losing to the Cleveland Indians. Like there's that's not going to happen in real life. But like for the city of Cleveland, this movie has to be played every week. Is it not? I mean, I've never been to Cleveland. I feel like this is their their, their greatest movie or greatest uh, one of their, you know, champion moments. It's the only one uh, that was rated uh, R in the series of movies. Major League Two was a PG movie, PG-13 for Major League Three, back to the minors. Um, yeah, I mean, this was... So I remember watching this as a kid. Like, that's the first time I saw this movie. And, not, and just knowing I wanted to be a professional baseball player. And I'm talking a kid being like, you know, seven, eight. Yeah. You know, and there was no internet then. So I honestly thought that you could just show up like Willie Mays Hayes and just try <laughs> out like just the idea that like these guys just get out of a cab and it's like, oh, I'm here. And like, yeah. they all sleep in bunks yeah. like that doesn't happen. That uh, was like that scene of them all arriving like that. Like, I don't know why. I just remember it differently as a kid. And the whole Motley Crue thing works great for baseball movies, whether it's like the Bad News Bears, whether it's um major league i mean this this team right now our yankees team the replace for 28 crew could have a movie when you look at all these different guys how they got on the team their paths where they're from now it's, it's not a we don't have a cuban guy doing voodoo voodoo or you know we don't have um you know charlie sheen type but we have a bunch of different guys in this crew that that could definitely make up a a, a cast for a real life movie 
You want some more fun facts about that scene when they show up? Yeah. Willie Mays Hayes shows up in a Volkswagen Beetle, but it's got like a Bentley grill and a Bentley. Um, yeah, it's like, like tricked out. Yeah. So that was actually popular at that time. There was a, a company that was selling. They were marketing like you could buy a Beetle. We'll sell you this. You throw it on. It looks like, you, have, you know, like it's a cool car. It became popular. And then uh, Bentley started suing. Um, also, when Willie Mays Hayes backs out and um, like when they're like the parking lots over there and he backs out and he waves a green handkerchief to them. That has no that means absolutely nothing to the actual storyline of the movie. That was just a sign for the guy driving Charlie Sheen's uh, motorcycle to start coming to drop Charlie <laughs> Sheen off. Deep cut. Interesting. It is. Also, Willie May, um, uh, Wesley, Wesley Snipes, Snipes stinks at baseball. He was very bad at baseball. Um, yeah, so in he general. wasn't even acting there. He definitely could not hit. Yeah, you sure. could see like the way he's swinging his hips and stuff. You're like, oh, this guy has never played like in real <laughs> he's life. He's never in been in life. a batter's box. Yeah, but apparently, no, he was really bad. Um, they did all of his like all of his running. If you notice, is all in slow motion, so they can make up for it. Like obviously, Wesley Snipes, we've all seen him. He's in fantastic shape, but um, they did that the in slow where motion. He, um, where he comes, like he's like he's like overslept. No, he but didn't then even he hops out of bed. Could you he imagine? Like, oh, no, I, the bed was just out there. No, uh, the, the cops came in and lifted the bed up, the top bunk, <laughs> and carried him outside. So he not only slept through that, he woke up in Arizona where it's, like, hot very early. Like, that didn't wake him up. And the amount of time that it took for all these other professional athletes to wake up, get ready to go have practice, and start <laughs> practice. And now he's still waking Like, what is it, 1130 you're waking up? Yeah, he must have been drinking Everclear the night before. Um, <laughs> but, th yeah, they have him, like, win the race, and he's, like, sprinting in slow motion. Um, that was so unrealistic. This guy just breaks out and, and is the all best his guy on the team. All but his running's in slow motion. And, sorry, it was a Rolls-Royce, not a Bentley. All his running's in slow motion. Also, Charlie Sheen took steroids for this movie. Trying to get buffer. He's admitted that he took steroids. He got his fastball up to 85 miles an hour. Oh, his actual, his like him throwing it? That's yeah, great. I didn't yeah. know that. I know Freddie Prince Jr. did the same thing for Summer Catch. He also got up to about 85. But here's what they did in Major League for Charlie Sheen. Instead of, like, speeding up what he did, the mound whenever Charlie Sheen's pitching is 50 feet instead of 60 feet. So oh, it's like a little league. <laughs> it's like when you watch the Little League World Series, and they're like, that's the equivalent of 130 miles an hour. So what I guess Wesley Snipes just got big in the 90s and then he didn't come back for Major League Two. Omar yeah. Epps ended up taking his spot because what they just couldn't pay him. No. Um, so he turned down the role of like coming back because um, he had another movie offer. Oh, he he came back. He didn't come back for the sequel because like his career was starting to take off. And then Charlie Sheen actually got offered Woody Harrelson's role in white men can't jump because like i guess they thought that they were good together on camera and charlie sheen yeah. turned it down yeah i couldn't imagine charlie sheen playing billy in uh white man can't jump that wasn't supposed to happen yeah so but yeah no willie uh wesley snipes didn't come back omar epps just becomes uh bill willie mays hayes and for anyone who doesn't know obviously we know who willie mays hayes is but when uh we know who willie mays is but hayes is a tribute to Bullet Bob Hayes, who was an Olympic, I believe, gold medalist and a Hall of Fame wide receiver. It was very fast. You can you learn something from this JJ guy. You could really learn. <laughs> um, 
also so some other interesting facts like um these guys went on uh, a bunch of these guys went on to be in other baseball movies that i found interesting um wesley snipes was in the fan um dennis haysbert uh who was pedro serrano went on to play baseball in mr baseball which is another great baseball movie and um uh, James Gammon, who's in this movie, also was the Indians manager in a TV show. So he was the manager in this movie and then in a 90s TV show as well. So that's just uh, some other, you know, interesting stuff. And Charlie Sheen was in Eight Men Out. So I think it's a good movie, but there are a lot of like, I don't know. I feel like for a lot of old movies, like the Internet can kind of ruin it because you can like look this stuff up. Yeah. And um, but like you said, the Yankees, how it ties in the Yankees, the Yankees were the AL champions in this movie. It was actually the Oakland A's were the AL champions three years in a row. So they were the year they filmed it, the year they edited it, and the year it was released, the Oakland A's were the AL champion. But the Yankees it's just sexier. It's yeah, sexier the Yankees just the draw Yankees more. Yeah. But that's not realistic. Like I said, we're not losing to them. Also, the two biggest like Yankees on there were Clue Hayward, who we just talked about, and then mm -hmm. the, their closer, the Duke, who both had uh, uh, facial hair and or uh, like hair on their head that wouldn't meet the Yankees' uh, hair policies. Right. Only in a movie. That's yep. a movie world. Yeah. Nice, yeah. I, I don't know what the next movie is going to be. Uh, I definitely got to look through some old movies. It's, it's, it's cool that we have Bull Durham 88, Major League 89. Maybe I'll look for what baseball movie came out in 1990 or 91. Uh, and try and find that to watch next. It's it's crazy because like looking at these baseball movies, even like Major League, I'm like it's completely different. I'm 31 watching it now. I probably the last time I watched it, let's say I was I don't know 10, probably younger, and it's a completely different movie. It's a completely different movie. Um, researching and learning these things. So like Dennis Hayward, who he does what's he do Allstate commercials now? He's the Allstate guy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, you're in good hands with Allstate. Yeah. He's, yeah. Uh, Wow, I didn't even put that together watching it. That's where I recognized him from. Yeah, that and he was in Mr. Baseball, which is another another good movie. He um for the last game, like that the playing game that they play against the Yankees, they had 20,000 extras in the stands for that. And he said like he got emotional and like teary-eyed cuz like it's just like he, he's a baseball fan, so you get to do yeah. that going to major league field and all that. He was just like I got so emotional. And so uh, Steve Yeager, who was a catcher for the Dodgers, uh, who's also the third base coach in this movie and did all the like whenever Jake Taylor's getting like collided with at home plate, there's Steve Yeager doing it. Um, he said he was like, that's what it's like for me. One hundred and sixty two times a year. And I thought that was really cool as like a, yeah, a, awesome. a huge baseball guy. Like I got goosebumps just thinking about that. Yeah, this movie is sick. Th those guys got to live out dreams. Charlie Sheen gets to rev up his fastball to eighty five. You know, this guy's getting to come out and play in front of 20,000. Like, how could you not want to be on the cast of Major League? I, I'm sure every actor was auditioning for that. I'm, I need to get into acting. I want to get a, a role and, uh, you know, play a center fielder for some baseball team. Speaking of acting to get into, like, movies like this. So, um, Bob Euchre, the announcer in there. Do you know who Bob Euchre is in terms of baseball? No. Is he, is he an announcer for what so, team? So, Bob Euchre played for the Brewers. He also, he used to catch, uh, I believe it was Phil Necro. So Bob Euchre leads the history of baseball in the most passed balls as a catcher because he caught the first knuckleballers. Uh, but he was a major league player, 
Uh, and then he went on to be the announcer for the Brewers for, uh, at that point, he had been the announcer for 20 years. Uh, he also did Miller Lite ads, and he was on the sitcom uh, from the mid-'80s, Mr. Belvedere. So the, the director saw Bob Euchre, knew he had played baseball, uh, saw the Miller Lite ads, and saw Mr. Belvedere and was like, oh, this guy would probably be good. I wonder if he can play an announcer. So they reached out and said, hey, we've got some interest in you you know, playing this role of an announcer. And he said, all right, you know, took the meeting. And then they started talking. He was like, well, do you think you could play an announcer? And uh, the director didn't know Bob Euchre had been a major league announcer for 20 years <laughs> already. So just start doing the job and they'll give it to you in a movie. Yeah, I might. I mean, I'm, I'm doing a bunch of things right now that might line up. So we'll see what happens. Nice. So any other views on this uh, on this movie? No, go watch Major League. Tweet me with your thoughts. If you haven't seen it, like it's on Hulu. I think you can find it. I mean, if you Google it, you can find it for less than like two, three dollars to watch it. Um, I think Major League is better than Bull Durham. Let me know if you agree with that. And uh, give me some of your takes and some of the things that you saw. Because like I said, I watched it when I was a kid. And now watching it as an adult, it's like watching a completely new movie. The director of the movie, David Ward, lifelong Indians fan, made this movie because he thought it's the only way he'd see the Indians ever win, which is just so sad for the city. Exactly. That's why I say, look, Cleveland, they, they got this on in every bar during uh, baseball season, I'm sure. And the last fact that I will give you on this movie, then I'll let it go because it's got to tie back to the Yankees. Rick Wild Thing Vaughn became the inspiration for guys like Mitch, uh, Mitch Williams, who was a closer for, at the time, the Cubs went on the pitch for the Phillies, War 99. Um, this started the trend of entrance music for closers. So without this movie, there uh, is no, there is no Sandman. Enter Sandman. <laughs> and that's how you tie it back to the Yankees. Listen, it's been a great week to be a Yankee fan. It wasn't a good Monday to hang out at the stadium all day. But, hey, our ground screw works hard. We got a lot of wins. I think we're going to be in first place a week from now. Keith, what else do you have for the people? Uh, next Wednesday, when this podcast comes out, episode 10, that night I will be on a panel for the Jersey City Tech Meetup. It's a, a panel talking about podcasts and entrepreneurs and people that started pod podcasts and the tech and the prep and the things that go into it. For some reason in 2019, everyone's got a podcast. Podcasts are huge. Uh, I'm fortunate enough to live right in Jersey City, know some people and reached out to them. They talked you know, a couple weeks about it and they said, hey, we Love to have you on this uh, panel, so I'm, I'm sure that'll be cool. I'll be repping George's Box uh, next Wednesday at Anco in downtown Jersey City. So if you live in Jersey City, um, check out my Instagram, Twitter. I posted on there. There's an RSVP link. Um, if not, you know, I'm sure I'll talk about it next week, and uh, I'll fill you guys in on how it went. And it's just going to help grow the podcast and, um, you know, get us out in front of more people. So I'm, I'm happy to do it. Awesome. I know what you're thinking at home. You're thinking, Keith, you just threw a lot of information at me really quick there. Do I have to rewind and listen to it? No, you don't, because you can just go on Twitter.com and go to at Keith underscore McPherson. You go to Instagram, go to at Keith McPherson. He's posting that info right there. You hit follow. You get all the info all the time. If you don't want to even type that in, go to at George's Box Pod on Twitter, on Instagram. Links to our profiles are there, but follow that shit. Help us out. Build this out. Rate us five stars. Leave a review. Subscribe. Tell a friend. We're very excited about this season. We're going to be in first place soon also. And I'm just telling you, I mean, dramatically honest with you here. May 31st, BronxPinstripes.com is hosting an event at Yankee Stadium. 
there are not a lot of tickets left. We only have a certain amount of tickets. It's the Red Sox. It's a Friday night. That shit gets sold out. There are only so many tickets available to us. Those tickets will sell out. I would say probably before the end of this week, it is getting very close. And I can promise you that May 31st at Yankee Stadium, at the dugout before, you get a t-shirt. You get a hot dog and a beer in the game. You get to hang out at the dugout with us, with the other BP people who are writers, who are readers, who are just Yankee fans, have a good time. We mail you a t-shirt beforehand. I haven't seen the design yet. I'm telling you, deep down, May 31st, that's going to be a bop. You're going to want to be there for it. So come out May 31st, and uh, if I don't see you then, I'll see you at another event, but I'll tell you where I'm going to see you. I'm going to see you at the parade, your 2019 World Series champion New York Yankees parade. Keith, it's been a pleasure. Everyone at home, thank you for listening, and we'll see you at the parade. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.